Hey, awesome nerds, and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about other themes, characters, themes, concept, and characters uh, could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by my co-host, Caleb, who is currently introducing himself to his five precocious students. All right, you kids, listen up. You better, you better listen up before the, 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 the dog eats you. Listen up real good, like. Yeah. <laughs> Is the dog first the magic girls in this? Yeah, first up, we're gonna we're gonna have a PE lesson where I just basically kick your asses and make, <laughs> make you feel bad about yourselves. So oh it's so PE spot on. <laughs> it's that's spot on what happens. I didn't even register that, that that is literally him just playing dodgeball with the kids and being like, yeah, I get a chance to yeah. beat kids up. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, we are talking about episode one of That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, That Time Slime, episodes 21 and 22, which is Shizu san Students and Conquering the Labyrinth. Um, hey. So so little happens in these. Rimuru meets yeah. the students. He bullies the students. He realizes, oh, maybe I need spirits. He goes to meet the spirits. That's it. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think we was we were discussing this beforehand, but it's yeah becoming clearer. Um, it seems the arcs do work in three episode um, groupings, at least with this mm. latter end, um, because there was a little bit of a hiatus after the Orc Lord. So maybe that's where they decided to um, shift it around a little bit. Yeah, well, I wonder so, if it's actually four episode arcs. Because this one seems to be the the whole. What was the last one? Yuki Karazuka, uh, Karugasuka. Um, oh, yeah, that was the introduction, yeah, of this little arc. And it seems like the next episode, which is called Save Souls, which I'm going to assume is the the wrap up of it, is the last one. So it's like one, two, three, four. Yeah, maybe it's just Charybdis that messed us around. God damn it, Charybdis! Why, Phobio, you're the worst. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Like, Phobio ruins everything. Um, no. That, uh, which is the gist of it. Um, that being said, yeah. one thing I was just thinking about before after I was watching the episodes is this show is too short, if anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I want I want it to be proper shonen gummy bears, like, Saturday morning television. Where it's like at the end you learn a very special thing about someone was bullying and now you don't bully, and Rimmer is just like the the leader of the little gang, and really develop the characters a lot more, so you really get like an entire season of just of him teaching the kids, or an entire season just of like leading up to the battle of, with um the Orc Lord or Charybdis or something. Well, it's very much the pacing of um one shots versus campaigns, isn't it? Yeah. Um, like to start start out, like when you describe your Saturday morning cartoons, that's what you'd usually see in an anime like um, Full Metal Alchemist. That did yeah, that sort of exotic basis. Um, Cowboy Bebop, um, Neon mm-hmm. Genesis, though all those anime worked on a very like episodic basis. Uh, but not not to put words in my mouth, but good ones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. Ones. Yeah. Um. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know how you feel about each of those anime, but the main thing is that around about like 2013, 2014, which is right when I believe that um, that timeline was first released, yeah. you know what started getting like what really, really big and had been for the last few years? Yeah. Netflix. Ah, um, uh, yes. Like, um, you- that, it, it's very, very interesting seeing a um, a post-streaming versus pre-streaming um, base. Yeah. I, I think or, you're um, spot on with that because... Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Um, of course. That, that time slime started 28... Or it got, it got adapted 2018, which is very much post-streaming. And I'm thinking of something... Absolutely. Something like The Devil is a Part-Timer, which was... Yeah. It's 2013, 2014 a little bit earlier that isn't so much episodic but it's just one solid story 
It's like you start off with one thing, you get to one thing. It's just one tale throughout. Whereas those much earlier 90s one, it is episodic where you can't, because they were screened week to week, if you missed one week, well, it wasn't the end of the world because next week you'll watch another one and you'll kind of learn the same mess lesson. But there were some episodes you have to watch because these are the best ever. Uh, all right. All right. So it's like just because I'm old. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm just old. Uh, all right. Don't worry. I, I'm, we're getting closer every day. Um, yeah. <laughs> Suckers. Uh, That's what happens in life. Kids, you'll be old one day too. Yeah, kids that listen to this podcast. Yeah, it's definitely not got the explicit flag and their parents let them. <laughs> now, well, speaking um, of kids, let's talk about the kids in this episode. Exactly. Good segue. Thank you. Um, I, I do this for a living. And I, all right, I was not prepared to like them. I thought they were going to be incredibly irritating. And um, yeah, two two-fifths of them were. Two-fifths yep. of them were annoying. Um, the rest of them were all right. Yeah, I have no recollection. Like, they, they're they children and they have the same personality as far as I can tell. And that's exactly why I wanted to actually talk about um, about kids in, uh, in campaigns and as NPCs. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the time... Look, I don't know how you handle kid NPCs, but a lot of the time I find that they are very much a MacGuffin type yeah. character. Uh, like for people who don't know the term MacGuffin, it is the thing that you need to attain in order for the plot. There is what the plot is aiming towards, and it's the ephemeral whatever thing to make sure that the party goes after it. Yeah, I've, I've always seen it um, as the thing that has value in universe, but absolutely no value out of universe or outside the story. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's the unobtainium. It doesn't matter what it is, and a lot of times we do end up using actual you know people, um, you know kids in the same way that we used to use damsels um, a lot. Everyone wants to save a child. Precisely, and I just wonder how do you make it so that kids like the characters care about that kid or those two-fifths of those kids? Like, what sets those two kids apart that makes you care about them, as opposed to, you know, the other well, kids where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is one of the kids I need to save. I was going to say the two the two kids I don't care about, more accurately. Uh, the kids you don't care about. Gotcha. Oh, okay, yeah. well, that's a pass. That's a pass. You're great. Yeah, they're fine. That's, it's, it's perfectly fine. I generally don't use kids in my games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's like, they're, they're okay. Um... Yeah, I don't think I really have that many games that didn't have children at all. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I just don't really have it. They don't occur to me to, to use. I'll generally use goblins instead, honestly. Um, let's, well, not, let's not dwell on the similarities between goblins and children. But <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I, I might actually argue maybe we should dwell a little bit on that. And why I see goblins as uh, children as goblins. Yeah, essentially. Like, okay. What makes the the party um, gravitate toward a goblin? I swear we talked about this earlier. Oh, I think we might have. I'm thinking an example I often have is um, a group will be will ask for something from their patron, and when it shows up, it's a goblin that hands it over. And every single time, the goblin's like, "Oh yeah," and he said, "You'd pay me some money." And they're like, sometimes they pay him, sometimes they don't. But if they do pay him, he's like, ha, I already got paid, suckers, and runs off. And if they don't pay him, he's like, yeah, good one, you got me, and runs off without the money. That could easily be done by some sort of street urchin. And the oh, same absolutely. same thing. But I feel like they expect that sort of attitude from a, a goblin. But if a kid does it, they're like, I'm going to beat the crap out of that little shit. Yeah, but at the same time... It, it would be like, I want to beat the shit out of that kid. Um, also, we do not try to... We don't. We don't. But urchins aren't children but because they're poor, the so... Yeah. Exactly. And the amount of... Wait, what? What was that? She said urchins aren't children because they're poor. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes! I got him, listeners! I got him! Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> um, the, the, the stop in the tracks, the speechlessness. Yep. 
the, the prophecy has come to pass. Um, <laughs> anyway, you would say. But when I was saying um, that, honestly, if you make him like a little little rascal, if you, if you mm. a little rapscallion, um, that'd be a great way of describing a kid character like that. A little rapscallion who comes up, like delivers the message, and maybe like manages to find you in the strangest places. Yeah. Like you're you're trekking through a tundra and suddenly this kid is just like, oh sweet. Thought I'd find you here. Um yeah. here's a message um from the patron. Um Here you go, uh, Governor. Yeah. Here you go, Governor. Um and uh just give me a give me a tuppence. Um <laughs> a what? A gold piece. <laughs> Yeah, because all all children in RPGs suddenly become all of a twist. Exactly. Either that or like the, the, the little sick Victorian boy. Yeah. I'm cough. I am ill. Oh, father, I, I'm dying of MacGuffin. <laughs> um, I, I like that idea. Um, I'm concerned, like... The idea that they're going to like the kid is, I feel, my issue. That I don't want it to become the Wesley Crusher syndrome. Um, for those who are a little bit younger, um, for those born after 1992, uh, Wesley Crusher was a character on Star Trek The Next Generation, played by Will Wheaton, uh, who basically was the best at everything because he was a little bit of the writer insert of let's get kids to watch this show. And look, he's 14 like you, everyone, but he's in Starfleet and he can do all these cool things. Um, go back and listen. Yeah. Go back and listen to the next generation episodes of that podcast. And the audience hated him um, because it did feel like you're, they were being told to like him. And I'm worried that that's what would happen when I put a kid in there. Um, that they're being told because this is a child, because you're going to need him as an NPC, you have to like this character. Mm. Okay. Here's a perspective idea. Um, I can't believe that we're having to mechanicalize children. Children? <laughs> um, children, yeah. Um, but you know how we talked earlier in the series about the idea of of NPCs having shared values or shared um, ideals. Yes. So what if we apply that to a kid? Um, but in, um, instead of what we were suggesting in which, you know, they're presenting a stagnant point in a character's journey, what if we made the kid, like, probably have it be the most immature way of going about it like okay it, let, let's say um let's say for example you know one of your characters ideals is that they are going to become let's say it's a barbarian and they're going to become leader of their you know local village tribe stuff like that and they're sort of maybe out yeah. on a pilgrimage to become strong um and they come across this kid uh, who uh, maybe has, maybe is already the chieftain of like this tiny sect of children? Um, oh, I'd go, I'd go one further. I'd say they're the yeah. prince, they're the king of a land, but they're not eligible to rule yet. So they're given everything and like basically that prince region idea. Like this person already is king, um, which they have minders. Like you, you thought you were going to be the leader of your tribe. This person rules an entire kingdom. Yeah, but they're a yeah, child. I think like exactly, and but the the reason I think like sort of more treehouse type stuff, like more like a little club, is that that becomes very kid like. You know, a a yeah, person that's, that's in power. Like that, that could be a decent thing for maybe a noble character, but for um, our like sort of folk hero, our sort of folk hero barbarian, um, they they basically have to, I guess, offer that very much that very small community wisdom, <laughs> and maybe even see of just like, okay, what are my most petulant traits? Like, what, grab, grab the most petulant traits of the character. And, you know, maybe this kid is, like, 
pretty quick to anger, but it's like a temper tantrum as opposed to a rage. Um, but, you know, it, then it can become a situation where as long as you make it parallel to what the player is doing, um, they will care enough to sort of be with their character, okay, my character is perhaps a mentor in the situation or perhaps needs to examine what is going on. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I like that because it does give them, it gives a lot of storytelling opportunities for them, for, them the, for their character to grow through it. Exactly. And players will always care about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. All right, that's a, that's a good idea. I'm thinking about um, a couple of kids that have shown up in games that I've been a player in, not necessarily a, a running the game. And one of those was we heard that there was a problem with this this house, so we went in and discovered that there were monsters that were plaguing the house, and the um, the father had locked the the child in it in her room to save her essentially because the monsters couldn't get into that room but they could get into the rest of it and they were killing him and you know the whole thing and we managed to save her just but my character who had been abandoned as a child was just like no this kid gets the best life in the universe from now on like we're going to take care of them we're going to do all this stuff we're going to make sure that god doesn't want for anything and I, I like that because it does again reflect on it gives my chance my character a chance to go well what what am I doing here like where where do I come from in this situation and what would I do if I I was there yeah um, yeah well, so yeah I, I'm thinking yeah all right yeah so kids as a mirror to to adults oh weird absolutely um like that that's the thing like in the end. Kids are the reason that they are used so predominantly as those MacGuffins or those damsels are, is because they are immediately um, a reflection of the players. It's like they're people. Um, yeah, like tiny little people. It's like they're like you, but tiny and weaker, and, <laughs> and they can't um, and less uh, focused. They can't, they can't do much uh, and less focused. Um, I want to talk. Um, I know all uh, my friends who have kids are screaming at me right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, like it's it's you get get down to that um that side, then yeah, making them a reflection of the players is also going to help marry that um sort of cohesion between both the player and the character. I think as a, a game master, it does give you a chance to lean a little bit more into the chaos and the id of role-playing where you get to, you get to, um, I guess, say the things you're thinking and just be a little bit sillier because that's the simplistic view of children. You get to like, just make silly jokes and just go, you're mean when like the, the characters act out of, don't act heroically. Yeah. And sort of challenge their behavior occasionally. I would be very interested to see a lawful aligned child. Oh God, that'd be so boring. I mean, unless there were like this little hole monitor type character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would a hundred percent look up to, um, <laughs> oh man, a, a little, um, house hole monitor character that looks up to the paladin mm -hmm. and, um, sort of sees like the leniencies that the paladin is taking with the rest to the party after they've adventured together enough. Yeah. And sort of being like, what, what's going on there? You know, these these are your your people, right? You need to you need to bring them in line. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that's that. What you do. Um, <laughs> what I don't understand. They're breaking the laws. They it, it's it's pandemonium. Your rogue, your, your rogue is as easily picking his nose as he is other people's pockets. Uh, <laughs> I love that, I, but also I, I would like to see them just be a little judgmental about it all. Just like stealing is wrong, like you're, you're stealing, and trying to give the players opportunities to like try to explain morality to these kids. Yeah, you know, uh, Critical Role has a lot of good good kids in them. Yeah, definitely. 
Because yeah. I'm definitely of the opinion that most children are chaotic neutral, uh, if not chaotic evil. Oh, yeah. Um, at least at some points in their lives. Oh, God, yeah. How would, how would you... I want to move on because there's a lot of similarities between the kids and... Um, I can't even remember what the Demon Lord's... The, the Queen of Spirits name. Does she have a name? Oh, uh, didn't catch it if... Romirus. 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 I, I, um, yeah, and Romirus. I wasn't paying attention, I clearly. I, I do enjoy that little bit where, like, she first tries to introduce herself and she bites her tongue. And, like, at first it seems like just, like, a little bit, but one of the kids sort of says, like, she must be used to, like, speaking in telepathy. Mm. I just, like, damn, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. That yeah. is some cute world building. Yeah, that's that's clever. That's a nice little characterization. Um, so there is some similarities between Romarus and the kids and children in general. But I want to have that, mm. have a discussion about what about children as characters, like, as player characters? Um, because there are games in particular where you get to play children, like kids on bikes, kids on brooms, teens in space, that sort of thing. But would you want yeah. a couple of character, or a couple of adults to try playing children, or do you think that would be annoying because they would play into like the chaotic neutral aspect of it all? I guess, honestly, this is to sort of bring it back to the parents that might be listening. <laughs> I would let, let, let's let's put it this way i would not want someone like you or me both like <laughs> child like childless um cis men to be childless individuals yeah yeah um and we i i'm like, gonna correct that if it's a game where everybody plays children if everyone's playing children like kids on yeah. bikes where the idea is that you're all Early teens, preteen characters, and you're doing kid adventures. Like a general idea. Yeah, I would say at that, um, and this might be a good thing to look into the child NPCs as well. I think mm. the best thing you can do is to try and not follow your thought process um, from the perspective of an adult looking at a kid, but try to follow the thought process of a kid. Um, you know, yeah. get rid of a few of the bits of experience that would tell you this is a bad idea. Like you're past the, you know, eating mud stage, hopefully. Most of the time. Um, most of the time. But like, honestly, but like giving your kid like a habit. Um, like yeah, a, like a, chewing on the, chewing on the drawstrings of their hoodie or something. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Oh God, um, I just remember I used to chew on my book bag. Oh, yeah, yeah. I used to chew on, like, the hem of my T-shirt. Yep. It's all about chewing. All about chewing. Um, yeah, chewing is a great example of just that little uh, um, quirk that you might still have before, you know, your, um, what is it, your prefrontal cortex? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, the prefrontal cortex um, kicks in at the age of 25. Um, it... Yeah, essentially, you'd want to then follow that sort of logic of just like, okay, if I am the sort of kid that is still in the habit of chewing on his drawstrings, um, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more absent-minded. Um, maybe I'm, you know, a little bit more prone to, um, you know, sort of maybe sitting back a little bit. Um, because it's a, it's a nervous thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that's into what might make your character maybe a little bit more anxious or fearful. Like, what? How does the habit reflect the soothing um, component? I think that's a, a good, good piece of advice to kind of strip away the the experience and the knowledge, and even that I that um forward planning aspect mm. like to kind of remove well i'm just remembering when you're a kid and an hour is the longest length of time ever yeah like you do have to count thing like count down to christmas in sleeps how many sleeps have i got because that's how long yeah. i understand and that kind of like you just wind your brain back a little bit and think about in these simple concepts 
Um, yeah. And remember when you were a child and how you acted. Exactly. Um, which can be hard for some people. I do understand that. Yeah. Um, I, I have the same issue. I, I do struggle to remember like key aspects of my childhood because you know it's just so long ago at this point. I have difficulty um, remembering key aspects of my job, so that's um, not not just purely childhood related. Yeah, we we, we uh, already have trouble forgetting um, Wednesday two twenty twenty three as opposed to Wednesday, you know, nineteen ninety seven. I have trouble remembering what I'm supposed to say at the end of each episode. It's like this is this is something I do weekly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Rimmer. Was Rimmer? No, not Rimmerous. Um, just before we move on, there was one other point that I wanted to bring mm -hmm. up in terms of playing kids, um, which comes into the whole habits thing of just fear. The kids are scared. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole lot of stuff that is new and very, very weird to them. Mm. So, yeah, I, I'd say knowing that you are, you know, you're not existing in a situation where you can just take on whatever's going to come around. Whatever come, come, uh, is around the next corner, if it's adult, just at its base minimum, that's scary enough. Mm. It's just unknown. Because what's this strange adult? Yeah. What's this? Yeah. I don't, I don't have adults figured out yet. Like, I think that's good for uh, running, particularly games like, um, like Kids on Bikes. Where it can be, it can be Goonies, it can be like Sandlot Kids, but can it also be it? Yeah. So to you can easily create horror with kids because everything is scary. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 I think so another sorry, aspect. So you want to move on to sorry. No, no, I, I, we will in a second as well. The fairy. Another yeah. yeah. Another aspect of that would be to, if you're playing a kid, just believe. Like kids. Yeah haven't been cynicized by the world cynicized being a word i've just made up mm -hmm. um they haven't been made they haven't become jaded uh that yeah that you don't have as a game master if you're running something like kids on bikes you don't have to explain why the demon is you know trashing the the school the kid knows the demons exist it's about fixing it yeah. so it's that little bit of that suspension of disbelief that you can you can give now speaking of suspending disbelief I was having difficulty suspending disbelief with how many demon lords there fucking are. Oh, yeah. Um, like Queen of Spirits, who's also a demon lord, who used to be the Queen of Spirits, and now is a demon lord. Oh, great. Another demon lord. Yep. Wonderful. They're just everywhere. Yeah. No, I believe at last count, there was about eight of them. Well, um, I'm just going to call her Queen of Spirits because that's the name I remember you saying. Yeah. Whoops, calling, and that seems to be what they focus on anyway. Um, says there are 10. Oh, that's right. Uh, so spoilers. Um, okay, <laughs> but we're spoiler free, uh, but I think we're at this uh, point, it's yeah. we gotta know. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just say the numbers of the uh, at last count, the numbers of the demon lords were indeed reduced, yeah. We saw, we've seen at least four, um, counting what's her face. Uh, oh no, sorry, we've seen at least five, counting this new fairy one. Yeah. Because uh, there's Malim, there's Leon Cromwell, there's uh, Carrion, and at least two others. And then apparently there was the Orc um, Disaster as well, or the Orc Calamity, or whatever oh, his yeah, name he, was. He, yeah, he, he didn't get to um, be called proper Demon Lord before he got, you know, eaten. Um, yeah. But yeah, there is also, I think, Lady Frey, um, the Harbour. Yeah. Um, and um, oh, what's his name? He's the, the guy that's sipping grape, grape juice all the time. Um, oh, I think, thought that was uh, Leon. No, no, that's not Leon. Um, Leon's the um, oh. the blonde-haired guy that summoned... Um, they they look the but, same. Shizu. Uh, oh, yeah, there was one that was all dealing with the clowns previously. Yeah, yeah, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, I'll go back and check it out. It's, it's oh, Has man, he got a name? Grape Juice Man. Grape Juice Man. 
grape juice man. I, I like that. That works for me. That's the that's that's the that's the demon lord. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, we have got quite a few demon lords now. Hmm. Yeah. There's there's a uh, and I still haven't really been as maybe I missed this. Like it seemed like it was a thing when the the orc disasters showed up. What the hell is a demon lord? Like. Is it like it's just a lord of demons, right? Or is it someone who's invested demon demons into their soul and is now like part demon? Um, like, is it a lord of demons or a lord who is a demon? Lord who is a demon. Um, okay, cool. By all accounts, cool. Um, that makes a bit so, more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, as opposed to a lord of demons, like they are, they are themselves demons. Yeah. They are demon lords. Okay, that makes sense then, because it seems like that these are some of the most powerful individuals in the world. But yeah. uh, Rimuru, the only person who's even come close in power levels to Rimuru has been Malim. And she is the most powerful of the demon lords that we're being told. So someone saying they're a demon lord or everyone being afraid of demon lords doesn't actually mean anything to me. Um, um, it's it's yeah, a little frustrating. Yeah. yeah, it's. Um, I don't want to like hang shit on this two, show, but yeah, season two is definitely focused on the demon lord side of things. Okay, it's good. One of those things that they do have sort of to the side at the moment because right now, uh, Rimuru doesn't care about it. No, he does not. Which I I respect that they haven't been like this is how demon lords are formed because Rimuru's like don't care, really don't care. Trying to build a city here, guys, and. It feels a little bit like, well, it, it makes sense because it is a shonen show, that it's a little bit like Dragon Ball Z with Vegeta going, his power levels, it's over 9,000. It's like, oh, okay, is it? Um, and it does make me long for the days of One Punch Man because One Punch yeah, Man is matter. that. Yeah. yeah, well, the thing is, like, for those who don't know One Punch Man, he can defeat anyone with one punch. Like, that's yeah. doesn't matter who it is. Superman, sure. Yeah, the Hulk, sure. Him. Yeah, he yeah. one punch. But somehow they managed to create so much suspense and tension. And a number of times I've been like, oh my God, he's not going to beat this one. And he's like, oh yeah, but I'm one punch man. It punches them. And it's like, oh yeah, wh why did I doubt? Yeah. This does not have that. Think, yes, it is something that they um, do actually address a little bit more like go going later on because it is now very very clear that Rimuru is OP yeah like Rimuru is indeed OP he is the one punch man um well this was so my problem as well earlier when he was fighting the kids it's like okay we get it you're special like hooray you didn't actually tell us anything about the kids beyond what we could have shown without you being mean to them yeah, I do actually want to circle back around to that. So we'll put a okay. pin in that. But the we, it's good you mentioned One Punch Man because honestly, one of the best episodes of One Punch Man is the Mugen Rider. Um, is the uh, the Mugen Rider battle with the I think it's the Sahagin King. Yeah. But uh, all the tension doesn't come from you know is Mugen gonna win it or is um. Or, or is uh, Saitama going to get the that killing blow? Because of course he is. But the tension He's one punch back. arises. Yeah, but the tension arises from the fact that, well, that means pretty much everyone that isn't One Punch Man has a bit of a death flag on them. Mm. They like it, it. You need to be able to build tension, not from you know when do the um you know is the guy going to be beaten as opposed to the, the the true thing is how long is going to take for this guy to be beaten before he does irrevocable damage yeah like what's the collateral damage of him not being defeated swiftly mm. yeah you see the same thing That's... with Dr. who you see the same yeah. thing with um Superman. Basically any show with an yeah, with, with Superman. Yeah. I find that interesting, um, particularly when it comes to super powerful characters. Like Doctor Who's power is his heart. 
or her heart or their heart hearts yeah. i should say since it's got two of them yeah, um and it's about who will be affected by those actions like it's never in doubt that the doctor's going to win but what is the action they have to take and how will that action affect other people and it's why superman it's why later games in D&D honestly mm. do go into the more metaphysical aspect because because now you know your characters they aren't going to struggle against a combat encounter they are yeah. going to struggle with maybe a sense of morality the consequences of those actions that they made in the lead up to this mm. and i think um, it's something that i think a lot of players aren't quite realizing when they get to those higher levels um, that it does need to be about that choice that you have to make. And that's where the tension comes from. That it's that I, I have had characters at a higher level, or sorry, I've had players at higher levels who you'll give an ethical dilemma to, and they're like, no, we are as gods. This is not acceptable. We will find a way to fix it. There is always another way. And it's like, not on this one. This is about what you've done. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's like you get to, you can, you can attack Cthulhu in the face. The city he was attacking is still going to die. Like the world he's invading is going to die. And you have the choice of locking it off from the rest of the universe or fleeing. And those are the options because it's coming and it cannot be defeated kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like. So, and those are the decisions of gods. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering because it's very difficult for me as a as a game master to build that tension and make it believable. Like I can say, well, you've only got these two choices. But if they then say yes, but I want to try this, do you just say no? That's not going to work. Like, how do you make that realistic tension for them? without, you know, just, like, shitting all over them. I think preset parameters are a good one. Mm -hmm. But also making sure you put that work in. Yeah. You know, if... um, You know, let's say that two characters that the players really like get into a deadly conflict where neither of them will let up. Sure, the third option might be to lock them away to make sure they never knew about each other. But maybe that comes with erasing the memories tied to the party as well. It's um, it makes me think of the Blades in the Dark um, Mm. adventures, which has the Devil's Bargain that you can do at any point during your roles to get bonuses. But it's that idea. It's like you can you can have your success, but there will be this cost. And there is no way yeah. to alleviate this cost if you want that success. If you want the success the way you're yeah. doing it, there will be this cost. Yeah. Very Faustian. Yeah. And that's just the way it will be, unfortunately. Like you can try and mitigate that cost, but that will have another cost. And another cost because nothing in this life is free. Yeah, this is the price of all that power, guys. Yeah. Costs are going to get bigger and bigger. Um, so that was a, a little bit of a um, little bit of a, a move that went away from where we started. A little bit of a tangent, but I think if yeah. it is going into the second season, that is also a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, there was um, something about something about the way that the Queen of Spirits describes. Um, this ties in a little bit with the whole power levels and the shonenness of it all. Um, talks about falling from grace and, you know, Demon Lord Leon also fell from grace and used to be a hero. And you can even hear the capital letter H on hero there and like how it's described. And it made me think that so many of the tropes in this are taken for granted because of the structure of the video game nature of the world. Mm. Yeah. And the way that falling from grace, I just like, I was like, I guess that's a thing that people do. 
But it ties in, as soon yeah. as you hear those words, you start to go, okay, well, what are they falling from grace from? They're clear there's some sort of angelic being, there's some sort of higher power, there's some sort of falling that you can do, so there's some sort of morality. And yeah. it's this easy word to give all these connotations that if you don't have that, mm. that pre-existing knowledge, no idea, and it will be need to explain it. But when it's in this situation, you're like, all right, I know everything about demon lords I need to know now. Yeah. Like, know that little so, piecemeal, like, know this key term. Get, get this key yeah. term in your head. Um, and yeah, falling from graces. Of, and it's good that it's um, clued you into that idea because there is actually someone that is called, that is given the title. Um, I think it is the angel, angel demon lord. Right. That makes perfect sense. This is, um, yeah. I think that in particular is something that I personally have a problem with because I read Paradise Lost at an impressionable age um, of 22. Yeah. And you realize that, you know, yeah. Prefrontal cortex. Hadn't been formed yet. Um, and realized, hey, Satan's kind of badass in this. Uh, and he's the classic anti hero. And you know what? God's being kind of a dick after all. Uh, so maybe we don't, you know, say all fall from grace or was it always intended? Anyway, a whole rant on Paradise Lost I could give another time. But that idea of just because you fall doesn't mean you're a bad person. And I think the the Queen of Spirits strongly, strongly exemplifies that. Like has fallen from grace of whatever deity, whatever ruler has given them powers, but still has powers in themselves and is not a bad person. Mm -hmm. They're just, um, well, they're, they're just, yeah, they're just a person. Race is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I found this, yeah. this is a very fascinating character and just a fun one too. Yeah. I, I love spirits as a concept. Yeah. Um, I love, love, love them. I love that there is sort of, I don't know. You can do, there, there's not a lot of established stuff, um, in, a lot of mainstream media about spirits in the way that they are presented in um, in that time slime. I, for example, I love the way that um, Romy versus sort is just sort of like, oh yeah, so like essentially they tried to overload this, uh, they, they tried to build this mech suit because they were trying to capture spirits and they chucked it out. Um, and I used it as essentially as I got it working again. And it's very strongly implied that considering that she's a spirit and, you know, may, like talking about making a home for them, that this is essentially just a little spirit hive. Yeah. Which is even um, more concerning that Rimuru just nuked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oopsie. Though um, it does, it does strike me, like spirits fascinate me as well. And this, this trek into the spirit labyrinth. And we'll get on to the dwelling of spirits who is ruled by the queen of spirits who lives in the dwelling of spirits uh, later on. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. But spirits yeah. aren't, spirits aren't mortal. Like yeah. they, it is going into the fey realms. It's going into different planes of existence. It's like the, the ethereal plane in D and D it's like this other world that they can connect to, but doesn't follow the same rules as ours. Or in this case, yeah. the that time slime world, or even the world that uh, Mikami's from, and uh, Shizu's mm. from originally, that there's this that they may not be mortal. Like he nuked the suit, doesn't the spirits were unharmed. The spirits don't give a shit. Like they're just like, cool, I get to go back and play in the water now, um, because that's where they live. And for a little while, they lived in a hive, and now they live somewhere else because they're not actually a physical being. Yeah. I think, Ed. I can't remember where this is from. I'm very sure this is not an original thought. But I remember something about spirits being described as the first, basically the progenitors for how aliens were presented Ooh. in um, myths and legends. Yeah, no, um, urban, urban folklore, rural folklore. Urban folklore, yeah. Yeah, rural folklore. Like the idea of, you know, being abducted by um fey or aliens um you yeah. know being um experimented on or living in that environment for some time um 
having to basically be transported to a place where the rules don't make sense to you. Mm. Um, a completely otherworldly thing. Um, you know, it, um, you know, the idea of crop circles versus, um, you know, barrow downs and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, it's a very, it's a very alien yeah. world. And I think treating it like that of just like, okay, well, what are the aliens to this world? What are the ways that these rules can be shown to be broken in some way? You know, how can that be used in much the same way that someone would say, oh, yeah, these guys discovered faster than light travel? That's certainly how I like yeah. to, to have spirits. Yeah. Um, spirits are aliens. Yeah, spirit, spirits is aliens, basically. Like, they just have a mm. completely, not alien as in, not necessarily alien from outer space, but sometimes they are, but a completely alien way of looking at things from everyone else. Yeah. that it is oh no you cut my arm off but yeah my arms grow back so this is actually my currency you've stolen from me you give my money back kind of attitude yeah yeah that'd be absolutely great and um, yeah so spirits yeah. in particular just i just really loved that idea and i really want it to be more seen in western media or i say i say western i say more um english-speaking media let's say Exactly. Uh, because yeah. the only one I can think of that's ever done something even remotely like it is um, Avatar and um, Avatar Ang and Legend of Korra. Which, are taught, of course, take a lot of cues, not only from anime, yeah. but from, from Eastern um, and East Asian culture in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, um, you know, a little problematic. Well, no, it's not problematic in that case, but the fact that it's not elsewhere. I I just really like that idea of the spirits being there, and that can be a magical. Anyway, I don't think I'm really going anywhere with the spirits on this one. I just wanted to say, yay, spirits, and um, also yeah, that element hooray. of mecha. Spirits in your game. Yeah, spirits, yeah, hooray. Yeah. It's so like, don't have elementals, have spirits. It's a fire spirit, and it's a water exactly. spirit, and it's an air spirit. But actually, yeah, yeah bringing back to the Mecca, where it is combining these spirits, and it works because they're not trying to trap the spirits. They're trying to make she she's able to create something for the spirits where they want to be, and that's why it works. So they're not trying to get out. They're just like chilling there, and they're just doing because yeah, this is what we do now. Hmm. I think it actually comes from a very combat and plot centric point of view, conflict based. Um, spirits oh. can't offer like. Let's say an elemental. You're going to fight an elemental. And when we imagine elementals, they tend to be more like the angry, tempestuous versions of whatever element they're presenting. Um, and then we have all these separate other fate folk for different elements. So like triads and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. with spirits, they just tend to where, where this thing exists. Yeah. That's all. Like I think we, 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 you light a fire, we'll probably be dancing around it. Yeah. And it's not necessarily tied with nature either. Like that's usually where it can be, but you can have the spirit of a city. You can have the spirit of a, a park, um, the spirit of a house. It's just, these are the other beings that live here. Like the, the mores and um, Lares and a whole bunch of stuff from like classic Roman and Greek areas like these were the house spirits that just kind of lived where we do, and you leave out little bowls of milk tight. for them. Is that Taoism that's um, largely inspired from? Like the little. I have no mind? idea to tell the truth. Hmm. Oh, no, Shinto I think Shintoism. That's it. I think it's a thing that a lot of cultures uh, have done. They just like there's something but, else that lives here. Absolutely, but you see it. You would see it in Japanese media. Yeah quite a lot because I believe Shinto was a massive religion before you know the Americans came along yeah so we, we've managed Lovely to track it down yeah. <laughs> yeah. the history lesson let's talk about the queen of spirits who lives in the dwelling of the spirits yes um, and I think oh my god <laughs> yeah just use spirits use spirits damn it use spirits spirits are fun you can have them as the the not the other because the other's usually got an element of fear to it as well but someone who isn't 
beholden to all the other rules. Mm. It's the it's the one for the people that are paying attention. It's the yeah. characters with high perception that look a little bit to the right of something and are just like, wait, what was that that just went to the bushes? Um, that's mm. that's very much how I feel about spirits. I think it also creates an opportunity to world build as well for spirits mm. to say, you understand Absolutely. your place in the world, but the world is bigger than you. And here is a creature that does not, the, the things you were doing don't matter to it. Yeah. But also here's a creature that might help you. This is just the world around you. You know about these. Yeah. Spirits. Hooray. <laughs> I feel like I'm starting to get spirits, lost right. in the weeds of, of how great spirits are. <laughs> spirits are so good. You yeah. guys. They're just like really fun yeah. and you should be nice to them. If I can offer a story about how I've um, used spirits. Yes, please do. Is... Bring us back on task. Um, absolutely. Um, the way that I tend to use spirits and not just in my D&D game, but also in stuff that I write um, is spirits, you know, the whole concept of them gathering around a certain thing. Well, in this particular world, uh, spirits gather around the belief in a certain thing. Um, so if you have people, let's say, worshipping a god of war, um, that the spirits will basically, you know, galvanize around that worship. Mm. And, you know, if enough gather, then that sort of collective, that hive can create, can um, become deity like because all the creator gods are gone but yeah but you know conceptual gods can live on as long as the belief is still held by a large enough amount of people that's um, cool yeah. i like that yeah yeah it's great fun and it means that you can do some wild crap with it i would love to do it like if you get your players to understand that concept and then introduce a um you know a deity like spirit called belief belief um oh belief. belief belief yeah yeah um that would be very very interesting mm. now i am noticing that we are starting to run out of time um, a little bit so let's we go back to that pin pin we put in children earlier um don't put pins in children but the one we did um Unless you're trying to check if they're a witch. And yeah. what what would you like to say about the little combat encounter that Rimuru puts each of the kids through? Okay. This might get us lost in another bit of weeds. Okay, uh, great. But That's fine. Very, very special episode. Um, the whole concept of humbling your players. Yeah. Um, whenever like the characters turn around... Oh, no, sorry, the players turn around and they're just like, you know, these combat encounters have been really easy. They've been uh -huh. really easy. And you're just like, have they now? <laughs> have they, really? they now? <laughs> have they now? We want to be challenged. Um, All right, then. Yep. I guess, like, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the concept of humbling players? Um, I actually feel humbling the player does start to, it feels problematic to me, um, because yeah. I have read many stories of punishing, humbling players for character actions. And it is something yeah. that I, I grew up when it was an antagonistic DM world. Like that was, yeah. you were trying to beat players sometimes. And as a kid running games, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to beat them, but you also wanted them to have the full story. So they get to the boss and then get beaten. So mm -hmm. I am always very wary of humbling players because I'm concerned that that will take away from enjoyment of the game for people. Mm. Um, but you mentioned I, humbling them for character stuff, though. I, humbling the character, like, it, it don't, I've always said, don't punish a player for. Don't punish out of character for in-character actions. Um, so, like, don't stop talking to somebody because their they're rogue stole from you in-game, that kind of thing. However, if their character 
is doing things and really talking it up and like, you know, talking to the king and being all like, oh, you think you're hot shit. It's like, well, yeah, for the fiction of the world, you got to be humbled. If you're talking shit to Strahd, Strahd's not going to take that. And he will humble you. He will remind you that he is more powerful. I guess because it is so active for mm. um, as a player, like when it comes down to dice rolls, if something is like got a plus on your, um, you know, plus 15, you've got 15 hit points, then yeah, that's someone being mean. Someone wants you, wants your character dead. Um, unless yeah, I think where you set up something where those characters have made the choice to go right up to this thing after you've established how strong it is. I'm I'm going to bring it back to Blades in the Dark again because yeah, go ahead. The Blades in the Dark again because that's a very um, success heavy system. Um, and one of the things that gives you or gives advice to do for for game masters is say if the characters fail, don't say it's because of them. Uh, it's because of something else. Like if they fail a stealth check, it's not because they tripped and landed in a bucket and then you know their pants fell down or anything like that. Even if they roll a natural one, it's because something else happened. To like you know they just happened to turn around right as the guard came around the corner. It's like it's the most unlucky thing that could have occurred, but the heroes are still heroes, and it's a little bit of not humbling them. But I feel that players sometimes are okay with being humbled and they'll let you know when that's the case. Yeah. Like if they're doing shenanigans, if they're like, oh yeah, and then I threw the cream pie at him and like I sl- there's banana peels everywhere. And it's like, okay, and then when you fail, what's the most likely thing to happen? You're going to slip on that banana peel just as much as anyone else is. So they're going to set up opportunities to be humbled and be okay with it, but you don't take it out on them when the dice go against them. Like it's the difference between my character wouldn't do that as a like which is very easy to argue, as opposed to that that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Where you're just like, well, no, given the stuff that I've set up, you are currently going through a prison. Yeah, the guard's probably gonna might be around the corner when um, you know, you roll on that one on your perception check. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on. Like the dice don't humble the characters, the situation humbles the characters. Mm-hmm. So like th- this is bad yeah, bad rumor because he's kind of being a dick about it. But the the thing is they're not knowledgeable. If they know they're going up against a god tier opponent, but they still think they can mm-hmm. beat him, then the dice won't be humbling yeah. them. It will be the situation that humbles them. Yeah, absolutely. But if they uh, think they're just going up against a teacher. Yeah, as we've seen with most people that have tried to humble Rimuru, yeah, or underestimated him. Yeah. One thing I do love in just this humbling moment is I have villains never really learn, like as players get more powerful mm-hmm. or characters get yeah. more powerful, simply because generally they don't leave anyone alive to spread stories about them. Yeah, um, the ones that I've had anyway. It's like yeah. The, the, the monsters are going to do the same thing that the last six monsters did because you killed all the other ones and no one knows that you have like a little fastball special with the rogue and the goliath like they're mm-hmm. they're not expecting that because yeah. no one's seen it before to them um, and then as soon as somebody does survive that's when they start changing tactics there's a great instance yeah. in um, uh, Red Hand of Doom that actually gives advice for this that as the players progress, it's during a war zone. And the idea is that eventually some people will see the characters in action and not get killed because, you know, they're fighting in a war and other people are around. And as they level up, the mooks stop fighting. They don't, like, just charge blindly in, assuming they'll win. They'll do whatever it is to, like, pin them down. They'll just go, I'm just going to hold you here while someone more powerful comes and gets you because they start to realize these are your tactics and I can, this is the only way I can prevent it. So it has intelligent learning processes for the monsters. Yeah. Uh, AI is something that cannot exist in D and D. 
Yeah, and I think that's humbling enough for players, actually, to understand that these are creatures that will learn from you, that your your actions will have consequences, not just for the world, but just for the people that you're facing. Mm. Um, and you can't always rely on the same thing. Yeah, there's a great series of books called um, These Monsters Know What They're Doing, which is based on oh, yeah. the blog of the same name. Perfect, perfect, um, like, note-by-note note examples of how all this works um, by a much smarter person than I. Well, but me too. Yeah, they are great series. Mm. So, um, there's probably there's only one other person I needed to really talk about in this episode. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on, or...? No, that's that's it for me. We got um, the kids unpinned. We got the um, ringaroo unpinned. So yeah. Um, I just wanted to bring up Mjolnir, Mjolnir, whatever his name is, the merchant that gets saved by the Sky Dragon, who has the best line in two episodes of "Is this the end of my handsome existence?" <laughs> yes, I've forgotten about that line. I rewatched it. I'm just like, oh man, yeah, that's that that is one way to make me just instantly love a character. Yeah. Like he has no purpose in the episode. Like he has a very tiny purpose and that's convoluted. And that's to have one of his servants say something so Rimuru realizes where the Queen of Spirits is and send him off to the to the nation so they've got merchants now. But that line yeah, very much man. For. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that line. Just just is the end of my handsome existence. I'm gonna say that every time I leave the room now. Oh, or yeah. something bad might happen. Is this the end of my handsome existence? <laughs> you spill something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. So um, with that, uh, we're going to talk about the crit hits and the crit fails, the thing that we do every week, uh, which is pick a character from the episode who had you know, a standout moment of success or failure. Um, and despite that, my choice is not... Um, whatever his name was, the merchant, because uh, it is not the end of his handsome existence. Um, so I'm going to go first, if that's all right, Caleb. Go right ahead. I am going to choose Trainee, um, who has a very small role in this, and it's going to be a crit hit. It's a moment of standout success for for Trainee, the the forest spirit, because when Ribaru says, "Hey, where could you find some spirits?" Trainee's like, "Well, you could try the dwelling of the spirits." Uh, where the Queen of Spirits lives. <laughs> just that, oh yeah, that's right. There's a place where the spirits yeah. live. Yeah, the, the, the place called Spirits. Yeah, yeah. That, there'll be some stuff there. Oh, it's... I love it. <laughs> I'm hoping it's a translation thing. Oh, look, that I, it just comes know. across that silly. Yeah, um, it really does. Oh, um, and who who are you going to pick, Caleb? Uh, I'm also going to go and um, another um, uh, Nat twenty for mm -hmm. Runga. Oh yeah, Runga. Runga for his intimidation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he oh he man he has some derpy expressions in these uh, couple of these episodes. He really does. Uh, but yeah, that intimidation um, on the kids there. Yeah, that he, he mm -hmm. didn't have to go that hard, um, but he did you know, on these poor students. But um, yep, yep, decides to just roll an at twenty on the intonation there. Yeah, Skyrim. I'm, I'm still remembering. It must have been like back in episode three or something with Battle at the Goblin Village when Runga first showed up, and I was like, Runga is best boy, but Runga can never do any wrong ever. And you said something, and I've been suspicious of Runga ever since. And I'm starting to suspect that I may have just been misled by my own my own assumptions because Runga remains best boy. <laughs> yeah, don't be don't be so suspicious. No one betrays anyone yeah. in the series. No, this is a happy go lucky series. Everyone's friendly. Exactly. And so, so that is that is us for this episode. Uh, subscribe. Tune in next time. Find download the episodes wherever they're found for when we speak with for the final uh, main series episode of of yeah. that time slime um, where we talk about save souls grand and finale. black and mask grand finale uh we still got two weeks to go with the wrap oh, before the wrap-up mm -hmm. yeah that's going to be an interesting one um but please 
leave a thank you for listening and leave a rating or review wherever you found podcasts because you can do it in app on Spotify and a couple of other, and Apple Podcasts and all those other podcasty apps that you love so much. You just got you, you're addicted to them. It's a bit concerning. This is the intervention that you needed. Uh, but we appreciate you. More. We download more. yeah, download, download more. Download all of them and just just listen to it's us. Just download podcast. us. Yeah, yeah. Over and over and over. Every we'll always be here for you. I feel like we're missing. I'm, I'm switching sides now, and it's That's probably great. not good for us all. <laughs> you can find us on social media. Uh, you can find us, uh, the podcast, on Instagram, which is at dndntvpod. And it is the same on this new service called Threads, which um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but since it's tied to Instagram, you can find me there too. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you? They can find me at the usual place, um, at What's a Caleb on Instagram. And that's pretty much it. I am yeah. so terrible at social media. I am so sorry. I think it's just social media is so terrible. Exactly. I'm, I'm not the problem. You're not the problem. Social media is the problem. Society is to blame. Exactly. And the last place that you could find us is uh, via email. Because if you would like to send in some emails, some questions for myself and Caleb about that time slime, about different RPGs, uh, we will address a number of them in two weeks with the season, with the series wrap up. Uh, so now is the time to get them in uh, because that gives us enough time to actually think about them and answer them and read them. Don't leave it to the last minute because uh, too late, too late will be the cry when the man with the bargains has passed you by. Um, this episode brought to you by Masters of Alchemy, the premier game mastering service of Greater Melbourne. Uh, you can find us at Fortress Emporium on Sundays running D&D games. You can also hire us via the website mastersofalchemy, all one word, dot au, uh, where we can, you know, run games of different sorts. Blades in the Dark, Kids on Bikes, Cyberpunk, uh, Ryotama, whatever you would like, um, as long as we know how to play it, which is most games. Yeah, yeah. For money. And um, until next time, I think it's time to say, uh, is this the end of our handsome existence? Is, is this the end of our handsome existence? <laughs> be safe. Be kind to yourselves. Uh, and may all your hits be crits. See you next time. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.